This is Aspiring Altruists, the show where you'll hear the stories of young professionals in the nonprofit sector working to change the world. We'll dive into their backgrounds, hear about the work they do, and ultimately learn how they got to where they are and how you can do the same. With the nonprofit sector comprising one of the largest U.S. workforces by tackling the world's biggest problems across nine major categories, you may just hear something that could change your life, and through it, the lives of countless others. Today's guest is a young woman with a passion for working with conflict-affected populations, Karina Oner. Karina is a first-generation American with a long-standing interest in conflict studies and human security. She's lived abroad and is now applying her wide-ranging background experiences to the work she does. Karina has much more to share about her story and what she's aiming to accomplish through the work she's doing, so let's dive right in. So, Karina, thanks for coming on the show today. Can you uh, start off by telling the listeners a bit about the role that you're in and the organization that you work for? Yeah, absolutely. So, I am a refugee caseworker at the International Rescue Committee. So, my organization is known for being a very large refugee resettlement organization that operates throughout the world. And in my role, I help refugees arriving in the Maryland area uh, from all different sort of countries uh, with their initial 90 days or more of resettlement. So that's everything from airport pickup to helping them find and get situated in housing to accessing public benefits and personal documents. Gotcha. Yeah. And I know you personally have quite the international background yourself. Can you share a little bit about your story and how that led to the role you're in and where you're at today? So I was born in Fairfax, Virginia, and my dad's Turkish and my mom's Colombian. So I did grow up in a really global household, and I was lucky enough to get to visit both of those countries regularly growing up. So every other year, I'd sort of switch off between the two. And that's what made me really interested in international affairs in general and security studies. But specifically in both countries, there are prevalent migration crises. So in Colombia, there's uh, the Venezuelan crisis. uh, And in Turkey, there's the Syrian crisis uh, and the effects of how those crises have led to migration in those countries. So I got to sort of witness the effects and the issues with migration in both of those countries. And it made me really interested in seeing how in the U.S. I could help migration be a more seamless and supportive process. So that's pretty much why I decided to pursue refugee resettlement. But for a while, I was more interested in national security studies, counterterrorism, and uh, homeland security type things. But I, over time, as a community organizer and having studied abroad and worked with internally displaced persons in Azerbaijan for a year, I became more interested in the human security aspect. So resettlement, education, medical support, all of those things that help individuals and communities more at the grassroots level, because I believe that's a really important and overlooked aspect of security studies. Well, what do you, you kind of mentioned it there, or kind of alluded to it a bit there, but what are you hoping to ultimately accomplish through your work with conflict-affected populations? I think that conflict-affected populations are often such an overlooked group. So I'm really interested in bringing awareness to what 
different conflict affected groups face uh, and to helping them have an easier time accessing resources, whether that be their personal documents like social security cards, green cards, or public benefits like Medicaid and food stamps. So that's one side of it. But also I want to help normalize the presence of conflict affected populations and uh, make it less stigmatized for these individuals to come to the United States and build their lives here. Well, I'm kind of along those same lines, I imagine as a part of all of that, you face various different challenges and trying to accomplish all those. So what would you say are some of the biggest challenges that you face both in your role specifically and the day job that you're in, but then uh, also through working on the mission more broadly, maybe along with that kind of the hardest part of working on that mission? Yeah, I think there's two sort of answers I have to this. The first one being that it's very difficult to access the documents and benefits that our clients need uh, because we work with third, you know, we work with third party organizations like local, state and national benefits offices. And a lot of times there's a lot of bureaucracy that leads it to take a lot of time for them to process, you know, Medicaid or Social Security. And then our clients are often left waiting for these things for a very long time. Mm -hmm. So I think that's sort of a difficulty on the client side. I think on the staff side, that creates a challenge because oftentimes clients are understandably frustrated waiting for those benefits. And at the same time, we're understandably frustrated waiting for these benefits for our clients. Yeah, I think it's also difficult to manage client expectations because they come uh, with the understanding that the United States on a global scale is seen as a place with a potentially robust social support system. And then we kind of have to break the news that that's not entirely true. So that is difficult. Uh, but the second part of this answer, I think it's difficult uh, because this field, just like many nonprofit sectors, has a lot of burnout, you know, low pay, high turnover, long hours. And so it's very hard for caseworkers or anyone in the refugee resettlement direct service sector to stay for more than a year or a few years because of the nature of the job. And I think that I've seen a lot uh, in my work with different organizations that there's also sort of a bottom-up awareness of a lot of different issues like decoloniality or anti-racism and DEI efforts that direct service staff are very conscious about and want to see changes with. But then sometimes there's disconnect with, you know, the top down um, conceptualization of those issues, or sometimes there's just disconnects with how these things are being addressed from the top down versus what a lot of direct service professionals want to see. So I think that is another challenge, just the nonprofit sector is a sector that does have problematic aspects and it's sometimes difficult to operate within that framework, but it's also a great challenge to push for improvements in our nonprofit sector and to make it a more a more conscious sector and interse intersectional sector. 
Yeah, uh, the nonprofit sector certainly faces its challenges, as does any sector, really. Any kind of work that you're in has its own different things. I know for me, one of the things that pulls me to the nonprofit sector and through those challenges is the feeling that I'm working to make a real difference for people and solve a problem going on in the world rather than just working for more profit or the next dollar kind of thing, trying to make exactly. a solve a, a challenge in the world. What is it along with that? You were mentioning the burnout, a lot of people and your types of roles and your kinds of work. What is it that keeps you going through that? Uh, how do you prevent those burnout thing issues for yourself? Yeah, I definitely think it's just a matter of self-care and also having great supervisors who have taught me really good boundaries. That's why I think like leadership is so important in nonprofit spaces because well-equipped leadership can help you develop those skill sets to be a more effective and well-balanced worker in, in these jobs. So I think that's the most important thing. And I think, like you said, it's also that aspect of knowing that the cause that I'm working for is so important and that there is the capacity for change. So despite issues in the sector, just like you said, like there are with any sector, I think the nonprofit sector is one of the most open for change versus other that are more, you know, traditionally stuck to certain ways, methodologies, um, protocols. Whereas the nonprofit sector, I think, allows for a lot of imagination and creativity and change. And that in that way, like that also really motivates me knowing that I can affect that change myself through my work. Well, yeah, you were mentioning a lot of there in terms of what drives you in the work that you're doing and sort of things that people should know. It sounds like about the nonprofit sector. Is there anything you feel that listeners should know specifically about the cause that you're working for that you haven't shared? Yeah, I think it's important for listeners to read up and engage more with, you know, literature and different media on refugee crises. I think with conflict-affected populations, there's sort of points when the media is really covering it especially like with the Afghanistan crisis recently, uh, there was a lot of media coverage. People have a higher awareness of that than some other migration crises. And I think it's important to do further research on different crises that are going on to understand the backgrounds of conflict-affected populations. Also to, like I said, like kind of, I mentioned how the social support system in the U.S. is not really the most effective. I think it's important for people to do their own research on the needs of refugees who are arriving in the U.S. versus what is actually provided to them. Um, for example, like a lot of people are surprised to find out the U.S. only provides a thousand dollars and twenty five a thousand twenty five dollars to each member of the family for a refugee family that arrives, and then that's the extent of the financial support that refugees receive. So that's always very shocking. I find that a lot of people who are kind of against refugee resettlement or against, you know, welfare in general are themselves surprised to find that out. And then oftentimes sort of change their view on refugee resettlement because they realize that it's not what they think it is. So I just think it's important for listeners to research more about the needs and what is being provided to refugees. And that also empowers them if they know refugee communities in their 
you know, area to help them with their needs or to at least be empathetic and aware about them. Right. Well, if there was one thing that you could share with the audience beyond what you've shared here thus far, what would that one thing be in regards to work or life or anything in that regard? Yeah, I would definitely say that I kind of touched on this already with self-care. I think in any sector, but especially the nonprofit sector. So this is kind of pointed at people who work in the nonprofit sector or want to work in the nonprofit sector. I really think self-care and boundaries are the most important skill set you can have. I think that it's something you have to learn over time. I've definitely learned it over the last couple of years, but it's really important to take care of yourself so you can effectively take care of others and, you know, support other people, whether that be coworkers or clients. So I just think it's important to have a self-care regimen, to stick to it, and to make sure that's a priority in your life, no matter what else is going on. Because oftentimes it's easiest to de-emphasize our own health while we look at our work and other things that feel more pressing. But I think it's important to remember self-care is super important to make sure that we're staying healthy and able to continue doing this work and not burn out. Uh, So yeah, that's what I would say is the best advice I can share with the audience. Well, thanks for that. Yeah, it's definitely a challenge when you're in mission-focused work to back away from, have those boundaries on working on the mission that you're focused on, whatever that mission is. That's a common refrain here just because it's something that uh, it feels like you're letting the mission down, things along that regard. And any time that you're taking care of yourself rather than taking care of others kind of thing. And that, like you said, it's important to realize that you have to take care of yourself in order to more effectively take care of others in sort of a work smarter, not harder mindset. Absolutely. Yeah, that's about all I've got for you here today. But how can listeners connect with you if they'd like to learn more? Yeah, so I have a LinkedIn account under my name, Karina O'Neill. Uh, So if anyone wants to look me up and add me, I'm happy to add them back. And I love talking with people about their career ambitions, especially in refugee resettlement or in the nonprofit sector in general. So I'd be happy to chat with anyone if they had any questions or was seeking advice. Well, thanks for that. And as always, I will share the link to your profile down in the show notes and a reminder for any listeners looking to connect with any of our guests via LinkedIn especially to include a note as to where they heard about them from and why they're seeking to connect so that our guests from the show remember uh, what what's connecting them rather than just a random person to person. and yeah with that thanks for taking the time to come on the show today and for sharing your story thanks for having me hey everyone thanks for tuning in to today's show hopefully you learned something new about the work happening in the nonprofit sector and were inspired to get involved if you liked what you heard be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening from if you want to learn more about today's guest how you can contact them and explore the organization they work for check out the show notes that'll do it for this episode come back next time to hear from yet another aspiring altruist